Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning to you and welcome as we enter the garden. That is myself, hand in hand with the Faye, as we get involved in your calls and all things gardening for the next two hours. The usual routine at this time on a Saturday morning. Nothing unusual there, but a big hello to you, Faye. Good morning, Chris. Yes, bring that to you. That's better. <laughs> Bit out of practice, it feels. <laughs> <laughs> you've been busy, haven't you? I mean, I was looking at this lovely morning. And you just showed me a couple of lovely pictures of what you've been doing on what has been really a delightful week. It certainly has been, Chris. We had a bit of rain early in the week and then the sun came out and the days in the garden were glorious. The birds are singing. Mm. The mulch was arriving. The birds talk, and talk, the bees are buzzing. They sure are. Mm. Talk about mountain of love. All the the truckloads of mulch on my verge have been getting spread and the magpies have been coming in, picking up materials to make their nests. How fabulous. The ravens are dropping sticks as they break them to make their nests. And I have a little scrub wren that's nested in one of my pots outside a bedroom window. And it's the tiniest little thing. I'm not sure if I I caught it yesterday, the male coming back maybe to feed the female who's on eggs. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. But a tiny little thing and just glorious. So all uh, all bets are off that area. I can't tidy up the pots. And you know what's interesting about it? The nest is a ball yeah. of dried grasses mm-hmm. just all rolled up and it goes in sideways. Apparently the eggs are blue with dots. So Extraordinary. Isn't it amazing how they can build that nest every year and they could construct it and they go find the product, probably amazing. out of your mulch. Incidentally, how many loads of mulch? 13. How many have you spread so far? Eight-ish. My goodness, you must be fit. <laughs> Well, we will see. Time will tell. <laughs> I was feeling a bit worse for wear last night, I can tell you. And blisters on my hands. Oh, yeah, that is a yes. problem. Are you wearing gloves? No. You should, because that'll take away the friction. Well, and it'll keep the splinters out, because I did actually Absolutely. get stabbed by something the Absolutely. other day. It's uh, nine minutes past eight. Before we go any further, today's show is sponsored by Maxi's Fashion. Ladies' clothing, select from a colourful range of stylish, affordable Australian labels in all sizes. Thank you, Maxi's Fashion. So we have a couple of guests this morning. We should let our faithful listeners know, uh, and they're going to be talking about things that are extraordinarily important, particularly with the change of season. You've invited Trevor Gray in. Trevor Gay, yes, Gay, Gay. from Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery, yep. and, and Trevor's a regular guest on our show. Mm-hmm. He grows seedlings for the domestic market, and uh, they're the sorts that will be available in nurseries coming up soon and and of course all year round so we're going to get the hot tips and I'm particularly after things that will give me some colour in the wedding season. Yeah so it's not just talking about vegetables or shrubs and things but he can talk about flowers and herbs and all that sort of stuff as well. That's terrific so that's in hour one. Uh, In the second hour, big big news. Susie from 
Araloo and Botanic mm. Garden and I was up there last week for the official opening and it is looking amazing. The the early tulips are out. There are 120,000, I believe. Wow. They've come a long way in the 30 years that they've been growing tulips. I think uh, they started off 30 years ago with 10,000 tulips mm-hmm. and each year they buy in a new batch and volunteers plant them and they range from early mid-season to late, so there's a succession running over a couple of months. And a rainbow of colour? Oh, absolutely, yes. yes. Look at it. What, what particular, which colour particularly caught your eye? Oh, the yellows oh. Are, are so pretty because often when they, they do first come out, the weather can be dull, cloudy, overcast, a bit drizzly, and yellow just pops. Mm. It does catch the eye too. Mm. And, of course, we've got, uh, I don't know how far outside the metro you've been or had the chance to go uh, during the course of your busy, busy week, but the wildflowers are starting to spring up everywhere. Yes, and we got a report from Grady Brand this week, a special message to let us all know that the wildflowers are out. Well, he's out near Perendry, Carrara Rangelands, and he said the wildflowers are stunning at the moment and they will be good for the next couple of weeks. I have shared those photos that he sent me to the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wanted to have a look at that. But it, it's good to know what's happening where. And it's about a three-hour, 40-minute drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, if you want to get out. <laughs> Worth um, every minute. Well, and you do, I feel that you do need to go a few hours out to see some of the special ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the wreath flowers are out. They're, they're around uh, Mullawa mm-hmm. and Pindar. And oh, we just, we live in the best place. Anyone who's been travelling recently or who's got friends travelling, you only have to look at the Facebook posts to see how lucky we are to live in Western Australia. Some listeners will be wondering uh, where Ray is. Well, Ray's still taking some uh, leave at the present time, but she promises me she'll be back next week, which I'm sure you'll be pleased about too. Well, Chris, she would have been here this mm-hmm. week, and I said to her, I said, pet, I said, love, I said, pet. I said, I said. <laughs> I said, don't push yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I know she feels like she's letting the team down, but in all all honesty, I put my nana hat on mm. and I said, Ray, I will come and pick you up. And I think that was mm. a bit of a clincher because <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't like to, to be a patient. Yeah. She likes to be independent. And she would have powered through, but I think she may have found it a, a little bit too much. And yeah. I... I want her to sit back and smell the roses. Well, the road to recovery is an an indeterminate distance, but when you think, oh, I'm getting better, I'll just jump back to where I was, what have you learned? You can't jump back. She hasn't been driving, so it would have been a test to get in the car, put a seatbelt on and come along. So hopefully she's sitting back. Don's made her a cup of tea in bed. She's got that puppy beside her and she's looking out the window at her beautiful garden. I said to her, listen to your body. If the body says, you know, I could really do with a little bit more rest and recuperation time, do it. We're not getting any younger. We don't like listening to our bodies. 
<laughs> Mine was creaking last night. <laughs> <laughs> After all the mulch moving you've been doing, I'm not surprised. Talking about the team and not wanting to let it down, you're not. We're here, Ray. We'll do the best we can for all the good listeners who have questions this morning. And Bev is on the phones. John's doing the research. You're here with me in the studio, and that's great. So we're waiting for your telephone calls. You must have myriad of them because we are at that stage of the year when it's the most interesting time as we head towards spring. So let me remind you, 94841927 is the telephone number. If you really needed to know, you hear it so regularly every hour on the station, basically. Or if you can't wait on the phone, send an email to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. But otherwise, get on the blower. Don't leave it to the last moment. Ring up and have a quick chat with Bev. She'll tell us what you want to chat about, and then you'll be through and on the air, and you'll walk away from your telephone call the wiser, the richer, for the knowledge that Faye can impart to you. And probably Trevor when he joins us on the phone in a little while. Absolutely. And we got a message from Lynn. She's a regular listener from our gardening show. And she wanted to know, she's got a very large garden. She's got avocados and fruit trees and and a range of different plants. Last weekend, we talked about building up the soil, building up the resilience in the soil so that we can use minimal watering because for a lot of bore water users, they are now reduced to two days a week watering mm-hmm. where it used to be three. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at how we can get more moisture holding capacity in the soil. And Chris suggested preparing the soil. One of the, the main things he recommended was pig manure, if you can get hold of it. And brewer's uh, brewer's yeast or brewer's sludge that comes from a brewery, mm-hmm. they were both very good, uh, but not as easy to come by. Alternatively, you can use uh, clay and compost and sheep manure, and this is what Lynn's got. With the garden being established, she wants to know how much she should use, and I have a similar experience, Lynn. And what I find a lot of the time, it comes down to cost and ability to get these products on the garden at a price you can afford. Mm-hmm. So recently I've done the sheep manure. In the early days, I used to use one bag of sheep manure spread around the drip line. Mm-hmm. These days, uh, because I, the soil had already been prepared and I'm topping up, I'm now making that bag of sheep manure go between two trees. And I would do the same with a bag of clay and compost. A bag, if you're preparing a new garden area, will do about two square metres. Mm-hmm. And it's the clay that will help hold the moisture in the soil and build the aggregates that Chris was talking mm-hmm. to us about. So once you've you've added that, you do it around the drip line because that's where the feeder roots are. And then over the top, you might also use a a wetting agent so that that moisture gets into the soil, breaks away the wet, waxy coating on the sands, Mm -hmm. and then top up either with a a soft mulch and then a chunky mulch on top. And that's probably what I will do, get one of the soft mulches. Uh, I'm tossing up between a, a picky post or a lupin mulch which mm-hmm. has got something else in it and then I'll put the chunky mulch on top of that so you've got this like a Sara Lee garden you've got all the layers mm. and the worms will build up and they will work the soil so they'll help to aerate it they'll produce castings which of course will in turn give it a, a light feed or improve the soil structure 
and nutrients. So do I mix the sheep manure and the clay and the compost all together? I'd put the clay and compost down first on the soil and if you can give it a tickle or a rake and then do the same with the sheep manure and then just blanket it on the top. But really, you know, probably what I will do in my big garden is just rake it round, make it even, make it look good and let nature do the rest. We put lupin uh, mulch on top of our winter crops and it did wonderful things. We should mm. do that again for summer. Yes, Dress it, it, on the top. it is a soft mulch so it will break down and, and sometimes it doesn't keep the weeds down. In fact, the weeds love it if you've done it quite thin. But in a veggie garden, you, you tend to be turning things over mm. all the time. So soft mulch is very easy to use. Um, the hard mulches are good for gardens that you're not really going to touch. And then each year you can top up again. And I use the, the tree chip mulch. Mm-hmm. It's free. It goes a long way. It's got a mix of the, the seeds, the bark, the flowers, mm-hmm. the fruits, you name it. And that all breaks down over time. And I tend to be topping up the gardens with mulch. If you were to put a green chip mulch straight onto bare soil with plants in it, you can pull nitrogen out of it. To counter that, you might sprinkle some blood and bone first. Mm -hmm. But as I said, I'm topping up, so I don't have that problem because there's already a, a light mulch layer on the soil. Faye Akaro scientist. I mean, this really is a science, isn't it? Um, now, listen. Practice. The, the, practice the vegetables from winter. Um, do I strip it or do I chop all what the root have, systems back in into there? the soil? Oh, cruciferous things. We've got um, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, cauliflowers, peas, lots of lettuces, beetroots, those sorts of things. Okay, so your beetroots you probably would have harvested. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and if you left them there, um, you could still be harvesting the leaves and leave the root behind. You can make them go on for a lot longer. Depends on your style of gardening, mm. Chris, and what you've learnt. Sometimes I will leave plants in there that are flowering because you're building up the biodiversity, yes. which is something I'm really aiming for in my garden these days. And also, if you're doing a no-dig garden, the... We could talk all day about this. Uh, what goes on underneath, there's a lot of fungi, my, yep. mycorrhizal yep. fungi. So you might just slash it. You could just run over it with a lawnmower and leave it mulched on the top to break down. Yeah. So, Fantastic. Or you could dig it in. But, you know, mowing over it is going to be easier. Or get in there with your scythe and just mm-hmm. cut it off at the knees. It, it's so interesting. As you say, season to season, particularly a new a newcomer like me, constantly educating oneself and learning as the seasons pass. And from people like you, of course, we get these gems of knowledge. And that's what we have for your opportunity between now and 10 this morning, of course, is to call us on 94841927 and we'll answer your happy questions, whatever they may be. We need to take a break and we will come back to Cheryl in just a moment. Radio. 23 minutes past nine is the time and our guest uh, Trevor Gay is waiting on the line but before we go there Faye a quick call and a quick chat to Cheryl in Oakford. Good morning Cheryl how can we help? Uh, good morning to you both. Um, thank you for your show I love it. Thank um, you Cheryl and got, welcome to you. Thank you. I've got a, um, a fairly new native garden um, and in Oakford as you know sandy water repellent which is horrible 
Um, the mulching issue just totally confuses me. How do I mulch natives um, in, in, a, in a... Some people say just leave them, it doesn't matter, but trying to keep water to them over summer has been an absolute nightmare. Yes, yes. Okay, Cheryl, um, what I find is the chunky mulch, the tree chip mulch is fine. And the thing is with a new garden... One of the main things that you're trying to do, I imagine, is suppress the weeds because once you disturb soil and improve soil and plant, you you create an opportunity for weeds to grow. So oh, yeah. in the early days, uh, mulching between all of those plants, as they grow, the mulching becomes less and less. Also, make sure that you weed around the base of the native plants, keeping them weed-free. And that will give your plants better growth. Uh, trim them back after flowering and leave the tops on the ground. So chopping and dropping is a good method. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And it's very easy. And also think about planting a living mulch. So ground cover native plants that will cover the ground about 15 to 20 centimetres high. Anything much less than that, the weed seeds blow in and they grow up in between and it's like pulling splinters out so that's my advice for for creating a living ground cover something like the um the carpabrotus there's a native has purple flowers it's a pig face that's a fast growing cover that will fill the gaps initially and you can thin it out later okay so so like things like this clay and uh, not for natives Honestly, I've had the best results when I've planted with clay and compost because that's given me an opportunity to not have to worry as much about watering and I've had better results with it. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a horse paddock two years ago. Mm. So it's been, yeah, it's been um, quite the journey and a lot of competition from very large gum trees. So, Yeah, I know yeah. the feeling. I might talk more about this later, Cheryl, because yep. we've got Trevor on yep. the phone and what you're, you're talking about is exactly some Much of the issues ballpark. I've yeah. got. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. Cheryl, thank you very much for your call. We do appreciate it. Stay listening. Who knows what you might learn from Trevor. Uh, Trevor Gay, that is, from the Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery, who's on the line now. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning. Hello. What a lovely time. It has the beautiful spring weather and the little tickle of rain that we're having now too. Yes, we, we just got a little bit of a taste of spring uh, through the last week, which which is great. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit cool next week, but September's just around the corner, so we know the weather's going to change, a bit more sunshine and a little bit more warmth. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're in for spring. Oh, Trevor, what have you got ready for us coming coming up in the next couple of weeks? Okay, the next couple of weeks. Well, I'm at, at the moment, Petunia is, of course, one of one of the early spring lines. But in the next few weeks, as we come into the early part of spring, on the flower side, you've got some portulacas, there's cosmos coming through. Uh, marigolds, of course, are always a good, uh, much as an all-year-round line, there's still a good a good, um, good spring line. Um, and for those uh, shady, uh, slightly semi-shady areas uh, in paddings, uh, are still, uh, still quite popular. Uh, they they do very well, so there's there's still there's still quite a quite a range of flowers still to still to come through. Yep, mm. sure. And what about yep. for the veggie garden? Chris is mm. keen to get his cranking. <laughs> 
pen poised, Trevor. Go, go, go. <laughs> okay. Vegetables, spring vegetables. Well, of course, the tomatoes, capsicum, chilies, eggplant are all all the uh, the the main main spring lines, along with uh, along with the basil's. Um, do very well, and of course, lettuce. Is, there's quite a good range of lettuce out there now. Uh, anything from still from your iceberg type to your to your loose leaf uh, type lettuce, um, which which of course are, are grow fast, very popular um, with the uh, with the home gardeners. So they're all available now, and um, yeah, certainly certainly time to get them in to get that uh, bit of early growth on them, and uh, so for, so they'll be fruiting in uh, in a couple of months' time. What about peas and yep. beans, Trevor? Are they is it time for them? <laughs> yes, peas and beans. They've gone uh, very very well this year. I think I think anybody who's, who well, obviously everybody who does their does their grocery shopping has a look at the price of beans <laughs> in the shop just recently, and they think, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's why. I I asked. Uh, yes, yes. The sales on on peas and beans have been great. We we do um, we do do the honey pot and the snow pea as well as a uh, a French dwarf bean and and your taller runner type beans. So they, they, that covers most people, uh, you know, for, for for to keep the home garden happy. Yep. Trevor, I know a lot of people go out and buy. Um, snippets of herbs from the, yes. the grocery store and keep them in the fridge and maybe throw them out, you know, when they're cleaning out the fridge. But they could actually have a lot of these herbs growing outside their back door in a self-watering pot and yes. just pick them when they want. What yes. what sort of herbs have you got on offer? Well, basically, obviously, basil's one of the one of the good ones. That basil, coriander's. Um, obviously, your, your parsley, uh, curly, um, or afros, and uh, Italian are very good on that. I hope this rain's not creating too much noise, is it? <laughs> oh, is that rain in the background? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just standing out of the cover way. I can see this big dark cloud coming up, but wherever I go, it's going to be uh, a little bit noisy. But um, anyway. Trevor, um, Trevor, it's yeah, a shower. Yeah. It'll come and it will go. It ain't rain. <laughs> it's good, though. We need it. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, and and uh, obviously mint mint is is something that that if people yeah like you mentioned about pots mint must be in a pot yes. otherwise it'll take over your whole garden um, so that's that's sort of some of the some of the sort of popular oreganos of course um, pet grass even though it's not something that, that we eat but uh, that's also very very popular for people's pets as well so um, yeah they're, they're very happy with that yeah that's just a Quick rundown of them. Oh, very good. Yeah. And do you think the seasons come a little bit earlier this year, like temperature-wise? Uh, yeah, I, I think. Well, we never got that really, really cold winter. No. Um, I think. I, I think we had, from what I can remember, I think we've had about two nights that have dropped. Oh dear, that have dropped below um, uh, below about uh, five degrees. Had some cool days, but outside of that, it's been. Um, it's been pretty mild, really. Yes, yes, okay. Yep. And I know that yep. the, the bottle brushes are starting to flower and, yeah, it feels like it's sort of coming a little bit early. But, it, of course, it always yeah. does. It bounces around. That's why they call it spring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, oh, you, you, you'll notice the changes. I've just gone inside one of the sheds, so it's probably a bit quieter now. <laughs> um, but, um yeah, well, you, you, you always know when the when you when the when the uh, as you're driving down the the freeways and the highways and that, and you see you see the uh, 
the natives starting to flower, yeah, that, that's when you know we're, we're, we're getting really close mm. and, uh, yeah, to, to some real spring. But, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, I think it's because we, the winter wasn't, as much as it was um, August, of course, we had uh, tremendous rain the first few weeks of August. And June and July were, yeah, a little bit below average. But, but we, yeah, we didn't get that really, really cold per, uh, period. And, and I think that sort of made us feel a bit more like um, that we never really got it too bad this winter, really. Yep, for yeah, for sure. So, All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Lovely talking yep. to you again. Can I ask one more no question? Oh, okay. one, one more question, Trevor. You talk herbs, you talk vegetables. Flowers. Yep. Flowers in, in general. Um, yeah, well, but, but with the with the flowers, like coming up um, as we do get a little bit further into spring, portulacas in a, in a couple of weeks' time, always a good, uh, nice, hardy, hardy line there, and um, as well as um, uh, then, of course, once you hit about October, vincas yeah. come into fray, which of course one of the really hardy uh, summer lines, of course, because they're they're very. Uh, well, see, quite. They love it hot and dry. Put it that way. And so yesterday, Trevor, you early. mentioned the osteospermums. Yes, that's right. Yes, they'll, they'll be back online again in, in again a couple of weeks' time. We had some early ones. Uh, they're they're a bit of a well, I wouldn't say a funny thing, but they are very light, um, a day length uh, dependent on flowering. And uh, we had a few early ones come in, and then when we had that rather dull um, uh, August, you could might say it, it held the flowering back a little bit. But there'll be some more coming on in a in a, in a few weeks' time, and and they are also. I mean, they they flowering in the gardens now. Any any of that have been in more than one year in the garden are, are, are flowering well now. Um, but they are also quite hardy into the into the um, well, the hardy in the sense of getting getting through the summer. Yes. The main flowering period is is spring, so uh, it's a good time. But the fact that they are perennial, um, they'll be there again next year, and they'll they'll be starting to flower usually, usually around August. Yep, yeah, that'll certainly be great. good value in a range of colours. Yes, great, yes, yes, great yes. news. Thank you very much, Trevor. No worries. Okay, thanks a lot. Lovely to talk to you. That's our first guest on the program this morning, Trevor Gay from the Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery, talking through the rain. Well, through the showers. I must confess, looking out of the window at the moment, Faye, that grey cloud approaching us from the southwest does look like it's rain-bearing. We might have a shower here in Bentley before the program's out. We're not going to complain, Chris. We are not, because we're going to need that moisture in the months that are to come. Right, during the course of the program, we will, of course, be giving away our $75 voucher to bigger trees but we'll talk about that more i think in the second hour of the program there is a question that has been uh, called in that i want to put to you this morning if i may Faye, before we take any more calls maureen from mount helena has a three-year-old butterkin plant gone quite woody Uh, would it be okay to prune it back to about one foot off the ground i do not have experience doing that um i I'm going to get John to have a look into that. Butterkins are gorgeous little plants. They flower for much of the year. Beautiful yellow flowers and and very vibrant. Now, if it was mine and I wasn't sure what to do, first thing I would do is Google. If I can't find the answer, I would try a part of it. Rather than cut the whole plant back, I would just... Do a couple into the hardwood, a couple of prunings mm-hmm. into the hardwood, and I would probably just tip prune the rest of it. And that way you can gauge whether it will come back or not. 
if it's one that won't come back after a hard prune, and this sometimes happens uh, with with native plants or with other plants that you cannot prune back to bare sticks, some respond very well. But if you yeah. do that and it dies, you don't get a second chance. We'll ask John to have a look at that one, Maureen, and see if we can give you some more advice mm. about your butterkin plant. So let's come back to Cheryl from Oakford yes, about the establishing native mm. plants with gum trees. I, this is part of my issue. We've we've been on this property for 20-odd years and I've talked this morning about mulching the verge and we have had a few goes at establishing plants out there. Over the years, we've gone through different times. Last summer was really harsh and I lost plants again that were out on the verge. My plants on the verge don't get much, if any, additional summer watering. So once they're established, they're, they're left to their own devices. I've got kangaroo paws that were planted mm. in 2007 and they're still powering away. Yep. They don't look flash, but they've survived. Uh, a few years ago, we planted Acacia saligna. It's a wattle. They're pioneer plants, and this is now about three metres tall. The benefit of this is they grow quick, they die young, but it sets up the area around it as it becomes a nurse tree. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to get other plants to establish in that area. So I did say that I had my best results when I planted the seedlings in a clay and compost and I didn't actually have to dig a big hole and I didn't have to use a lot of product because the plants were small. The best thing to do is plant in autumn uh, and that way the plants establish some sort of root system before the warm weather comes. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Get their roots down. Yeah. Excuse me so to find some moisture. The, the gum trees as well. If you can top up your mulch every year, as the shrubs grow, you have less and less to do, yeah. so life gets easier. Quick fillers are plants like the daisies or, or other ground cover plants that are a bit high off the ground but spread. Now, one of the best results I've had is with uh, Crithmifolia, and that has a beautiful white flower. Mm -hmm. Insects love it, and it's hardy. It, it will survive without water. The kangaroo paws, some of them will come back each year. Uh, what else have I got out there? Um, some of the eremophilas don't need a lot of water. Uh, there's a whole mm. range of plants that, that are hardy. And I use as a guide plants that were growing in our bushland. Yes. And some of them I've had a fantastic result with. So Fabulous. the Fabulous. ones that work, I just will multiply now. Wonderful. Well, we're ready and waiting for your calls on 94841927 or gardening at curtainfm.com.au. What can we do for you? You must have questions. There must be things happening in your garden that you go, who can I talk to about that? And where can I find an answer? You find it right here, 94841927. Um, Lynn from Bentley, uh, we addressed her inquiry. She wants to know when layering clay and mulch, do you use a separate wetting agent or do these products contain a wetting agent? Well, clay clay is clay. It doesn't clay is, yeah. contain a wetting agent. No, it's, it's, it's natural mm -hmm. um, and it's very fine. So when we look at soil, believe it or not, sand is actually quite large in particle size compared to clay. Mm -hmm. Clay is fine and it will percolate down 
and and fill the gaps in sand. That's how it helps hold moisture. Wetting agent is different again. And, you know, maybe using a, a liquid with a watering can and giving it a little tickle with a rake ensures that will it will go down. And then maybe digging down just to have a look. Breaking the surface it's, to get penetration. Yes, it's not it's not an easy thing. I I just recently went through my garage and worked out what products I had. So I found some wedding agent granules in there. I gave them a sprinkle around the rose garden. That uh, they, they seem to still be sitting on the surface. We haven't had enough rain to wash mm-hmm. it all in. But I will go back with a, a light rake and fork around that area and, and give it a hand water. I will also now be starting to check my sprinklers to make sure that they're working, nothing's broken, nothing's overgrown because, you know, the watering is possibly just around the corner. We certainly need to be prepared. Just quickly in regards to mulch Mm. and gum trees, uh, I'm not a fan of the black mulch. I find that it doesn't feed the soil, so I... I won't use it in my garden. The other thing is with gum trees, gum leaves landing onto black mulch very quickly uh, does away with that beautiful contrast of yep. the black to the foliage. Uh-huh. The gum leaves are, are brown, uh, but I will sometimes rake them off the top of the chunky, chunky tree mulch to give it a, a tidy up. Good. I've got a question for you after this. Captain Radio. And the time, 17 minutes to nine, the right time for your telephone calls. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with uh, Faye Akaro and Chris Bartlett here sitting in for Ray this week. And John is on the uh, research line and Bev is waiting for your calls on 94841927. Actually, I've got two questions. Oh, OK, I'm How ready. How was your bonfire? Oh, bon- well, it was lovely. <laughs> I just love standing out there with a glass of wine and watching the, the flames dance over the embers because we have a lot of... A lot of prunings that I let dry. So when we get to the end of summer, I start piling them up and then boom, as soon as bonfire season comes, uh, that's how we dispose of our waste. And actually this week I I looked at something that's been sitting in our yard for 20 years and thought, what do I do with this? It's an incinerator. Mm. Do you remember homes Mm. had them in their backyard? Of course, I don't think it's legal to to have or use them now. But we used to burn a lot of our waste. Like, waste is such a big issue, Chris. Yes. We've also just had a verge collection, which we don't normally participate in because, actually, I I probably bring home more stuff than I throw out. Mm. But everything I look at, I see as a potential project. <laughs> oh, it's bad. Nothing I know. passes by you, does it? Not Recycle much. or reuse mm. or do whatever you can with what you've got. Uh, and the dancing last night? Yes, went to the East Rio Footy Club where Mario was playing and uh-huh. we took our granddaughter along. Oh, I've got to teach her how to dance. She's, she's, she Does she have a sense too, of rhythm? Uh, not that you would notice. She was trying to emulate something from Frozen and, you know, there's a lot of running across the floor and yeah. throwing your arms. So mm-hmm. I have to teach her about pub dancing, which yep. is you stay on the spot and you yep. jig. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that's the forthcoming project. My question for you, just reverting back to where we were talking earlier about the sheep manure and the, and the um, clay and the compost, it's all coming back time and time again. Um, ratio of how much clay to 
A one, oh. one bag of clay as you buy it? Well, you can actually buy it mixed with okay. the compost, oh, okay. clay and compost in a bag. And I think part of the reason they did that was we used to get bags of clay and they were like 20 kilos. Mm. So they were difficult to manage by having it mixed already. You don't have to then mix it because it is heavy and the bags are a bit lighter. So one bag can prepare an area two square metres Um if you're doing established fruit trees, then, you know, a token amount, as in half a bag per tree, mm-hmm. is good. And, you know, you might do that annually if you can. But it, it comes down to dollars, Chris. But, like, But mi- that mixture of the clay and the compost mixed in with the sheep manure uh, all works well, well. Initially, years ago, I just did sheep manure around my trees mm-hmm. and then I did mulch on top of that. And that was very cost-effective. Clay is something that has been around more so in the retail market in the last um, five to ten years, and we're we're learning the benefit of clay. It's funny because when we put our lawn down 20-odd years ago, my dad talked about bringing clay and loam, and I'm going, no, 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 that's not... That's not what they do, you know. And I didn't listen, mm-hmm. but he'd help prepare bowling greens and he actually knew more than knew. I did back then. Yeah. Mm. John's giving me all the uh, the rain information, but we'll come back to that because we have a, a call coming in from Karen up from Marjorie. Good morning, Marjorie. Hi, Marjorie. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you? Very good. We, um, I have some garlic growing and uh, it's been doing beautifully, but in the last week it's uh, been attacked by... These little black sort of things are thick all over over the leaves and they're sucking the life out of it. I think possibly that is a black aphid and it will attack some of the onion family. So sometimes you'll see it on garlic chives or chives. Um, Now, if it was on those, I would cut them to the ground and let them grow again. Of course, you don't do that on your garlic because you really need to... Uh, the the leaves go back into the bulb to feed your garlic. Uh, you could wash them off or wipe them off mm-hmm. by running your fingers along the stem oh, and squashing have, them. You know, got the gloves on and okay. uh, squash them along and... When I do, there's sort of a red uh, mucus comes out. Mm. Yes, they're very, um, very full of liquid. The other thing is uh, eco oil is very good and and even a white oil. And you could make it up yourself using oil and water and mix that up. You can even put a bit of garlic in that. That's supposed to repel them. It doesn't seem quite right, does it? Uh, but no. spraying that on the white, the white oil, or even a soapy spray will cover them, mm-hmm. and then wipe them off. And they should stay away for yes, a good I, while. I, I tried wiping them off, and I have put a bit of white oil over them. But uh, gee, they're um, doing it. Uh, a good job in just one week, you know, they're mm. sucking the life out of them. But I, I thought it might have been something that's um, common to garlic. Well, it it is. I've seen it quite a few times before. There are also um, another product called Beta Bug, and that should act as a deterrent as well. And even using something like a seaweed tonic 
on them. So that will not only sort of feed the plant, but it will help to repel them. But, yeah, if you can wipe off what's there, give mm. it a spray. Hopefully you might be able to keep them at bay. Okay, thank you very much. Thank Welcome, you, Marjorie. Marjorie. Love your call. Keep those gloves on, remember, when you're wiping the uh, the bugs away. Right, um, before we go to uh, Marjorie, we'll take a break, but before I go to the break, rainfall. You said it's been a mild winter, but we've had plenty of rain. We and have. John's research certainly backs that up. In August so far, we've had 170.2 millimetres. The average for August is usually 122, so we're well ahead by some 58 millimetres. In the year so far, cumulatively, we have received 554.4 millimetres and the average is 572. So we're, we're about 8 off. millimetres short. No, but mm. Things are pretty much average so we've done well. We could do with a little bit more in the next three or four days and we may get a little bit today. But there could be some showers tomorrow. Then it seems to get fine all throughout next week. We're talking sunny and temperatures going up to about 23 degrees. And of course Chris, when we do have rain like we've had we have cloud cover, so that explains yes. why we don't have the really cold days and nights. Gotcha. It is a nine minutes to nine. We're coming back to talk to Linda in Gosnells after this. News again at uh, 9 o'clock with David. Meanwhile, Faye is here to take your calls on 94841927. Linda is our next guest. Linda, how does your crepe myrtle grow? Uh, mm, not very well. Oh, oh dear. That's what I'm asking, whether there's anything specific that crepe myrtles actually need. I haven't been able to get right down to the base of the taller one, which is nearly two meet- was nearly two metres, to just have a little scratch to see if it's green. The other one's got a little bit of green on it, but they're not looking very happy. How old are they, Linda? I don't know, five years or so old. What, and always struggled? Yes. Did you plant them or were they there? Yes, yes. Okay, and... Mm. I cannot remember what I did, how I prepared the soil. That's the problem. Okay, and do you add to it each year? Add to the soil? Yes. No, I haven't done. Okay. Maybe um, that that would help, like fertilising and building up the soil, like we do with our fruit trees. So... Um, Crepe myrtles are deciduous, so they're a lovely addition to any garden. And those leaves that drop in the autumn help feed the soil. If, um, what, yeah, we can't go back and and do anything in relation to preparing the ground before, but we can continue to, to add things on a regular basis. So giving it an annual feed when it starts growing. And I tend to recommend a controlled, slow-release fertiliser, even if you didn't do anything else, because it's very easy to throw around and always around the drip line. Now, we talked this morning about um, fruit trees, and I and last week Chris talked about adding um, a different range of products to ensure moisture in the soil. Do you have clay or sand where you are, Linda? Yeah. Okay, all right. So how about we try topping it up? So the addition of maybe a whole bag of sheep manure, maybe some clay and compost and get that into the soil, like lightly tickle the soil around the drip line and then mulch on top. So whether you did a soft mulch, it's going to depend on how much 
you're prepared to spend on these trees, I would yes. put the controlled release fertilizer down first. Then I would put okay. clay and compost. Then or I would sheep do manure, like you said. Do and then do sheep manure. You could okay. then do um, a soft mulch, like a, a pea straw, lupin mulch, piggy post, something okay. like that, and then a chunky yep. mulch on top. So what okay. you've done then is pretty much stop the soil drying out once it gets right. a good watering. It sounds like an overkill, but you might find that you go a bit lightly on it when you start to do that because of the cost and it's quite a big job to do that. But I think you will, over time, see some benefit. That would be good. It would be. And, and, and by the way, yeah. that she-oak that got, that got chopped down over in South Perth, yes. my sister's place, it sprouted. Oh, Because it was a very <laughs> old tree. Yeah. Very, very old. Hundred, at least 100 years old. Oh. Yes. What a survivor. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. Was amazing. I was so excited when she told me. Oh, I'm, I'm so pleased. I remember <laughs> that story, and thank you for sharing with us. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for your call, Linda, in Gosnells. We have uh, four minutes to the news. We can get a couple of calls in between now and then. Let's go to Subiaco. Good morning, Carol. Hello, how Hello. are you? Hi, Very good, well. thanks, Carol. I've got heaps of newspaper. I do put it on the fire to get the fire going, but is it any uh, use in gardening? It has been my best friend in some parts of my garden, Carol. And All right. the reason is I'm when I'm starting off a new garden bed, weeds are my worst enemy. And, and sometimes cooch is growing in the area. So if I've got a pile of newspapers, then I will get at my wheelbarrow and I will take layers out of the newspapers, six, eight, ten sheets. I will wow. soak them in a barrow of seaweed and water and then I will lay them on the ground. And that does two things. Um one, it, it wets them so that when you do water the garden, that it will go through. Because if you put dry newspaper on the garden and mulch on top, nothing gets underneath. Mm. And I learnt this when I did one of the native gardens. 12 months later, or 18 months, two years, there was still newspaper unbroken down. But that was with the black because mulch on Because it was dry. Yeah, yeah, it just didn't accept the water. It was, yep. the water didn't get through. But... You, you do the newspaper really thick, make sure you overlap it so nothing can get through and you can mm -hmm. cover good amounts of the garden, mulch on top of that and it gives you a good, a good space mm -hmm. and a bit of a reprieve. And this would also be good for the lady from Oakford who mm -hmm. was planting a, a new native garden. Yes. Using newspaper to fill those gaps, making sure it's wet, Yep. Preferably the soil underneath is wet and That's it would be at this time of year and then the mulch on top. Wet on wet. Yep. Yes, indeed. Lovely. Oh, that's excellent. Thank All you, right. Carol. Thanks very much for your information. You're Thank welcome. You. Lovely to have you on the programme. Let's get one more call in before the news. Out to Queen's Park. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Hi Karen. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I have got a, a Dutchman's pipe. Do I have to cut it right back? It looks so straggly. Um, can I cut it really right hard, right down? Oh, Karen, I'm going to throw this one to John. Um, I know they can mm -hmm. be quite weedy and certainly you would want to prune it back to contain it. 
mm-hmm. as to whether you you can cut into this the scraggly wood, I don't know. But I it's, I'd be very careful. Yeah, the leaves the leaves look horrible. It always lo- used to look so nice, and now now the leaves are all uh, burnt, and and uh, even though it gets regular water, so I don't know what to do with it. And Is it shooting at the base? Uh, yes, it looks. Yeah, that the base looks okay. Mm, okay, it can be a big job to tackle tidying up a vine. I know, and if you cut the wrong mm-hmm. bit, you go for a, a bit that looks daggy, but then you find there was a green bit on the end. Um, if, to John. if it's shooting from the base, I would give it a hard cut back and, and kind of start again. Okay. Okay, okay, good. I know there's, it's news time, so I might ring you back because I want to talk to you about my climbing rose as well. Okay, you stay, you stay right there, Karen. We'll come back and talk to you right after the news because you gave us the cue. It's nine o'clock. Partly cloudy is the forecast, and it means every word, some blue sky at the present time, but there's a 90% chance of showers becoming less likely, though, this afternoon. Winds west-southwesterly, currently at about 15 to 20 kilometres per hour, but increasing to 25, sorry, yeah, 25 to 35 kilometres during the day. So be prepared for that one. Um, the fire danger today, low to moderate. The UV index from 10 o'clock this morning till 22, 20 past 2 this afternoon is moderate, number 4. Currently conditions in Perth, 15 degrees. Wind is pushing in from the south-southwest. The estimated maximum temperature this Saturday, perfect for gardening, at 18 degrees. How about that? Should we go back to Karen part two? Yes, yes. Karen, what did you want to ask us as the second part of your question? Yeah, the, uh, I have got a climbing rose growing over, over an arch and it, uh, the leaves are all turning reddish and, and drop. How far can I cut it back? I know, Faye, you told me that last year. I forgot. I honestly don't know anymore well, how, to, how to cut it back. For a climbing rose, Karen, what we're looking for is um, horizontal branches. So you train it to go mm-hmm. flat. And from there, they, that will push up buds that will flower. Uh-huh. Okay, it so over an, over an arch, it's difficult. It, it, I know. It's over the arch already, it's, it's right down, but it doesn't grow down, of course, on the other side. But it's... Um, yeah, you would probably <laughs> cut out the oldest if it's mm-hmm. not doing very much. It's a little bit of a specialist thing, Karen. It's very hard for me to detail over the phone. If you either could send us some photos or it might even be worth your while getting a horticulturalist in because it, it's a big, difficult job. And I think sometimes, mm-hmm. Karen, it's okay to delegate. <laughs> okay, okay, that's a good idea. Thank yeah. you very yeah, much. That's a good idea, honestly, yeah. Okay, great. thank you for your call. Thank you so much for your help, and have All a right. lovely day. Thank have you. a lovely weekend, Karen. Thank you so much. Janice and High Wickham couldn't wait on the line, but she's uh, put a, a, one for you here that I'm sure you've got a quick answer for. She's got a two and a half year old lemon tree in a pot, never had any fruit. Okay, Chris, we're going to come back to that because okay. we've got Susie on the phone and Mary's been waiting a right. while. Right, okay. Should we deal with Mary or yes. Susie? Yes, yes. Okay, let's talk to Mary. Mary, good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. How can we help you, Mary? Well, I'm just giving you some information. We went on a wildflower jaunt and we started at Three Springs and I've never seen wreath flowers at Three Springs. Wow. Oh, um, the tourist bureau was helpful. Now, just out of Three Springs, 18K on the Perengery Sonoma Road. 
Right, yep. No, have I got the wrong road? Correct the road. Tree Springs to Perenjury Road. Okay, yep. Okay, 18K out is a talc mine, the biggest talc mine in Australia, worth having a look at. Okay. Continue another 10K to Weir Road. So W-E-I-R. Yes. Turn left and go on to Bateman Road. A very kind farmer has put the 20-litre white drums out and a sign, wreath flowers. Now, they go for about 5K, 4K. What, the, the, the length wreath of flowers. the wreath flowers go for 5Ks? About 5K. Wow. Heavens. Individually, not as big as what Pindar is. Right. Many. But it's the first time for years, apparently, that they've been going on Bateman Road. Oh, gosh. Now, now you need to go past Parkwood Road to where you see the farmer has got the white drums out. And then he's got a sign up that says Reese Flowers. I know the Pindar ones are great. There was hundreds this year, but we've never found them south at Three Springs. Isn't that exciting? It is. And thank you for sharing with us, Mary, because I know, you know, at this time of year, things can change so quickly and mm. and people are after that information. And, yes, the tourist bureaus in the yeah. country towns are a great source of information. Well, they are. And mm. sometimes Pindar is just that little bit far to get up to. For sure. To a Malawa. And when we, as I say, Three Springs Guy was really great. And he also suggested Canna. You can yes. camp behind the Canna Hall. And Canna has got cowslip orchids, spider orchids and orchids Amazing. on their little walk trail. Oh, it was wow. just so great, the guy in Three Springs. Wow. But yeah, it's about, as I say, it's about 18, 20k out on Bateman Road and you almost need to go to the end of Bateman Road. Okay. Three Springs, I, I thought that was amazing. It is. Wonderful. Thank you very, very much for all that information, Mary. Much appreciated. Have a lovely weekend. You're welcome. Cheers. Bye. That's Mary in Greenwood. What a wonderful ah, call. We have eyes out in the field, <laughs> don't we? How lucky are we? Now, we'll, Kay in Port Kennedy, we'll come back to your call in a moment if we may, but we have our second guest on the phone right now, waiting eagerly to talk to us from the Araluen Botanic Park. Good morning, Susie Paravicini. Good morning. How are you all? We're Very well. good. Thank you for waiting, Susie, but I, I hope that information was of interest to you. Yes, it absolutely was. It's always uh, good to find out the little hidden secrets. Oh, for sure. And, of course, Araluen is no secret, and you have a wonderful office. I absolutely do. Up in the, uh, It's a, a log cabin up in the woods, so very privileged to be up there as a caretaker of the beautiful gardens. Oh. Um, we're right in the middle of our chalk festival, as you know. So. Yes. Yes, the park was looking beautiful. I was up there, um, for listeners that don't know, up there last week for the opening. And what a yeah stunning location. And it's not just tulips, even though there's lots of them. There is a lot on offer up there. Tell, tell us about it, Susie. Yeah, so you, you're absolutely dead right. But, I mean, the... The 120,000 bulbs are certainly the uh, showcase for this time of the year, but they're really um, pretty because of the backdrop. So, you know, being in that little valley with the beautiful Mary and the Australian bushland, it just creates that perfect setting. But we've got um, an internationally recognised camellia collection 
over 330 of those. Um, we've got some of those in flower now. We'll see a second show soon. We have our 3,000 plus rose bushes. Um, it's an absolute delight with those um, around the tulips and as you walk around the heritage pathways, 30 different structures from log cabins to um, Jarra pergolas and the old ruins, the cafe and the roundhouse cafe trading in some of those old buildings so people can poke their head in and have a look. The vintage train's back. Oh, wow. It's a fabulous thing. People are so excited about that little train. So <gasps> when does that operate, Susie? We're operating that at the moment between Wednesday and Sunday. So it was going to be weekends and we're just sort of taking it easy because not only does it look vintage, it is vintage. So <laughs> comes with those challenges, let's say, rather than issues. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so from opening time until the demand generally wears off between 10 and 2 on weekdays and probably 10 to 4 weekends. Oh, fantastic. Well, I know for both very young children and older people, it is a great way to to get around and have a look where some of those people couldn't walk. Now, this mm. International Camellia Society Garden of Excellence, there's not many of them around, is there? No, there's not. In fact, Aralorn is one of only four in Australia. So if people are unfamiliar with the camellia, come on out and have a look because you know, they're just the most divine plants. They've got the big green lush um, bush style and some of ours are even as big as trees. So a couple of the older ones are near the chalet Healy from um, as early as the 1930s. The flowers are quite unique. Some of them will look like a rose, some will look like a peony and they tend to be named after those um, flowers that they look, you know, they look similar to. And the other thing... Um, about that is that there's actually only 40 internationally recognised camellia gardens in the world. Yes, when when I was up there, I was sitting with Ez and Doug from the Camellia Society, and they were both very excited because because it is an honour to be um, renowned for yeah. this sort of garden. And and Ez sent me a, an email yesterday, so. It was initially awarded in 2012 and they have to reapply, is that right? The application was renewed and if they're successful, it will probably be announced at the International Congress in Italy next year. So it is a very big deal that yeah, that garden a big deal for sure. in Araluan is on the world stage. It is, and it's a huge responsibility. I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders right now. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> you know, because I've been, my tenure so far has been, I'm coming into my fourth year, but I'm like, this is based on six years of previous work that was done before that, and obviously the, you know, the 30 and 40 years before then. So, you know, they're, they're not as temperamental as a tulip, but they still take a fair bit of care mm. and looking after. Um, and there's some there's some pretty stiff criteria to be uh, recognised. So it's not only your maintenance program, but it's how the park presents itself in whole right. to visitors. Um, the way that things are, are, are maintained, obviously, is very important because the community wouldn't survive if that wasn't top of the list. But the labelling, the database, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people that have contributed to that over the years. So Ed and Doug and the Society, you know, we're ever so grateful for their contributions. Um, Elizabeth King did a load of work back in the day. Trevor France started off. There's been 
many people, and I apologise for people I might forget, that have donated. Wow. And continue to donate camellias to um, the garden. And, you know, all of the gardens, past and present and future, the gardeners. Um, John Colwell has a database for us this year. You know, it's just, it's endless, the effort mm. and amount of time. We've recently um, welcomed back John Fowler, and he was a volunteer for many years. He comes with about 20 years of specialised camellia experience from the eastern states. Wow. Um, so, you know, he tells us all about disease and pest control and proper pruning practices and things like that. So, mm, it, it really is a teamwork and it's, yeah, a lot of volunteers are involved in this. It's not just the staff, but, yeah, a huge job. Well, the park mm, looks fantastic yeah. and I, I urge anyone who hasn't been there for a while to get up and have a look. The tree ferns, the little babbling brook, there really is something for everyone. Oh, photographers, mm. walkers. Oh, absolutely. You name and it. And the festival's on till the end of September, isn't it, Susie? <clears throat> yes, it is. So we'll go through. I mean, the park is open seven days a, a week anyway, mm -hmm. but during the festival, we anticipate that we get to the end of September. It's always weather permitting and mm. weather dependent, as we all know, in garden land. Um, so as long as we don't get an extremely hot September, we should be able to make it to the end. We've got early, mid and late blooming tulips, um, so people aren't going to miss out, um, you know, but they tend to come on the, the fine weather days, of course, as you would. I personally prefer it when it is um, wet and rainy and dreary because it's more peaceful, mm. um, as you do. But, yeah, come on out. It's open from 9 till 6. We do charge an entry fee. Um, we're a non-profit organisation and every cent goes back into maintaining that garden for future West Australians. And are you well signposted off Albany Highway to find you? Easily. Easy to see. Yeah, say. we are. And mm. in Google, yeah, absolutely. Because we've got the um, tourism accredited brown um, network signage from Albany Highway and it takes you up through uh, Croydon Road. That's, mm -hmm. that's the best way in. It, on the busy weekends, we will have a one-way uh, road circuit, traffic management plan, um, probably only on the Father's Day and the following weekend. But um, other than that, you can come in both ways off Brookton Highway. Yeah. But I think you're right about the... The, the other days, not the fine days, going up there, putting your gumboots on, and because gardeners will do this, and getting out your brolly, and the the plants just glisten. To walk around on a drizzly day is quite okay. We had our garden club meeting up there in August last year, and it was a stormy day, but the gardeners still came out, mm -hmm. and, and we stood under the pavilion having our afternoon tea with the heavens opening. And it... You, it's just a, a different different time of the year to see the gardens, but still beautiful. Yeah. Sorry, I just lost signal then. I don't know what happened, but oh. um, I heard you say about your garden club meeting, which is fantastic. So, you know, we've been welcoming more groups up. We um, hosted the Heritage Road Society. They had a little convention at Aralorn recently. Um, we've repartnered with the Nursery Garden Industry of Western Australia. They brought up their next-gen group, 100 um, budding horticulturalists. Fantastic. We've actually, yeah, we've actually got one of them on staff now, which is really nice. So, you know, people come up, they fall in love and they want to stay and be part of part of Aralon's history so and future. Oh, well, it's certainly part of my history and I remember going there as, as kids and just having picnics. And it gets better year on year, doesn't it? Well, it, do, it changes and it evolves, but it's got so much history and that the maturity of the 
the plants and the way they're cared for is just beautiful. Thank you, Susie. It's been a pleasure talking to you today and I thoroughly enjoyed the opening last week. Thank you and we appreciate the support. So, yeah, come on out and, you know, let me know if there's more we can do for your listeners, if you're running competitions or want to give away free passes or anything. I don't know whether that's something that you're doing. Oh, yes. Well, all right. We'll be in touch. (laughs) Thanks very much, Susie. Cheers. Bye-bye, Susie. Susie Paravicini, the General Manager of the Aralu and Botanic Park, a very welcome guest who wants to have more to do with this program in the future, and why not? We talk gardening between 8 and 10 every Saturday morning. Now, Kay, you've been very patient, and I promise you will be our next caller once we clear these commitments. It's 20 past nine. Radio. Now, fertilising roses after pruning. That's a subject that's on the mind of Kay out in Port Kennedy. We've kept you waiting, Kay, but we're all ears. Go ahead. Hi, Fay. It's Kay that texts you about your garden. Yes. How are How you, are Kay? You? Yes. Good, thank you. Good. Now, I'm ringing about when you prune your roses. I normally prune them and then I use a rose fertiliser. But I heard you mention something about sheep manure and mulch. Can you put sheep manure around them afterwards and then the mulch or that's a no-no? Yeah, absolutely. And I've done it for many, many years. I've been looking at my roses this week, Kay. They've started to put on enough growth that tells me they're ready for feeding, okay? Okay. Now... I have a friend from the garden club. Her name is Beth, and she wrote out a fertilising uh, resume regime yep. about fertil uh, about fertilising. And I think she probably got it off Bob Melville around twenty odd years ago. Okay. Now her recommendation is to is it dibble with, with a dibbler. Into the rose. So it looks like an ice cream cone, but it's wooden. And you put about four big holes around your rose bush and you put in about 200 grams of slow-release fertiliser designed for roses or fruiting and flowering plants. plants. It sounds like a lot. Now, Beth did this and one time she called me over to look at her seduction rose which she told me had 200 blooms on it. My gosh. And I didn't believe her. So I went and had a look and it did. It honestly did. So, wow. So I'm thinking I'm going back to that method. Now, yes. once you've done that, you fill the holes in and it just sits there. You know, this is what Bob Melville talks about, getting that, that fertiliser down under the roots. And this is what he was doing with his bulbs. And anyone who used to visit his nursery would know how awesome his bulb displays were in the springtime. So how deep's a dibbler stick then? How deep well, are we pushing down? Well, it's probably about that big. Chris, okay. is that about that big. 20 centimetres <laughs> yeah. or thereabouts? Six inches. So, yeah, mm-hmm. some, something yeah. like that. Okay. So you're getting the fertiliser down into the ground where mm-hmm. the roots are, fill the holes back in. I would then, uh, for best results, because we want to keep the moisture in the soil, mm-hmm. Add the sheep manure and then chunky mulch on top of that. Or, you know, you might use a soft mulch. Depends on your garden. I've got a lot of other plants covering the ground in my rose garden. I like to have little flowers that bring in the insects and provide habitat for the predators and oh, yeah. and other yeah, little yeah, good yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah, well, mine's a big, not a big row area, but it's, it's, it's in a garden with blocks around it. And um, I just have roses in it. And, and I used to have a few little um, 
portulakis that are laying around on it. But I didn't know what was a good mulch. And I remember you, I heard you say you don't like the black. I don't. I don't always get the black, but mm. I normally just buy it in a few bags. Yep. And normally that's all they have in black. What other mulch would you recommend? In a bag, um, so if it's small bags that you can bring home easily in the boot of your car, you, there is lupin mulch or triple C mulch. They okay. come in small bales. They can be really stinky, um, so don't put it on the week before you're having an event because the smell All might right. still be hanging around and so will the flies be. Oh, yes, not All not right, so yeah. bad at this time of year because, you know, it, it takes in the water. And there, that is a really good mulch. It does help feed, but it What will... about a straw, Faith? Sorry, what yeah. about a straw? Well, it is a straw. Oh, it is it a is, straw. Okay. It is a straw, but there's manures in it. The, okay. The triple okay. C. I've used that and that works really well. When you go to the garden centres, you'll probably find similar products in the area, but loop and mulch is also, they're easy to work mm-hmm. with, easy to bring home. Good, easy All to right. spread. Right. You can All get right, these that products. Good, Faye. That yep. sounds good. You keep up the good work. Have you changed anything on your phone for message? Because I haven't been able to message you for a while and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if, if Faye's changed it because I'm not very good with technology. No, I don't know. Don't think so? No, and I haven't got anything from you recently. No, I know, so, because I can't find you, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe Faye's changed something, and maybe Faye's well, done something. I'm th- thinking, we, oh, my God. If we put you back to Bev, leave your phone number with her, and I'll send you a text. Oh, okay, then. That sounds good. Thanks, Faye. You enjoy the day, and thank you for your help. You're welcome, Kay. Thank you. Bye. Oh, Bye. Wonderful phone call. Thank you, Kay. I thought we were getting very personal there for a moment. Uh, I've got lots of friends, Chris. I, I, get, I know you. I get do. messages and emails and texts and photos and phone calls and. Your phone pings all hours of the day and night. Oh no, I turn the volume off. <laughs> Twenty-eight minutes past nine. Let's go straight out to Waikiki. Uh, Doreen's waiting for us. Good morning, Doreen. Good morning. How are you, Doreen? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. That's good to hear. How can we help you today? I have two lots of beard. I think they're bearded iris. Yes. They've got the thick leaves and the rhizomes, and they sometimes called flag irises. Yes, yes. Very hardy, beautiful when they're in flower around maybe November. Depends on the variety. Yes. I've got a very rich purple and a white. Yes, yep. And two separate areas, of course. I wondered when the best time was to dig them up and divide them. Well, I think you could probably do that. Now, generally, I think you would do it after flowering, but if they're very congested and and the flowering slowed down last year, then now would be an okay time. And oh. put it into well-improved soil. They do like cow manure and um, seaweed and just a, a light mulch. But I don't think you have to cover the rhizomes because I'm, I think, if I'm correct, that the sun on the rhizome will help encourage flowering. Oh, yes. Well, they're so packed and um, they really need dividing. Okay. So, and yep. they 
they've been beautiful. Well, I think from what you've described, it would be beneficial, at least if you took away some, whether you, you know, you might just dig away the outer ones and put them somewhere else or pot them or did you want to replant them in the same place? Possibly, yes, hmm. because it, um, they're obviously suited to that area because they, they've given me more flowers since I've put them there than I've ever had. Right. The only thing is if you do it now, if they are getting ready to flower, it may upset their flowering for this season. Well, that really wouldn't hurt. It would give them a chance to build up for next year. Okay. Yep. Permission to do that then, Doreen. <laughs> Permission granted. <laughs> Lovely work. <laughs> Thank you for your call. Many, many thanks. Thank You're welcome. you very much. Bye. 94841927. If you want to talk gardening, Faye is here and she's all ears till 10 o'clock. That means we've got just on 30 minutes of time. Plus, we're going to be giving away our $75 voucher, courtesy of Bigger Trees in a just a little while. Janice uh, did have a message for us a little bit earlier, but she's here talking to us live on the phone now. Good morning, Janice. Tell us about your lemon tree. Good morning to you. I'll just turn down the radio. So okay, that Janice. We can hear each other. Hello there. Now, I have this lemon tree. Now, I'm not at home, and I'm trying to go by memory. I think it's lots of lemons, but I could oh, be wrong. Yes. I've had, it, I've had it in a pot because I could have put it in the ground. Yep. I've probably had it two and a half years. It's had buds from, you know, year to year. I've, I went and got fertiliser that you put in the pot, you know, for lemon tree citrus. Yes. Um, my buds fall off, and, of course, there's big... Um, grasshoppers around and everything like that. Okay. I do put mulch around it, but um, I just would like to know what can I do and how long does it take mm. for lemons to actually form? Like you get the buds, but they've got to be healthy and everything, don't they? For sure. And I know I bought one of these and it was actually fruiting when I bought it, so I knew it was old enough. I would have thought that yours would probably fruit if it had everything that it needed, Janice. And mm -hmm. the fact that it's in a pot, it is 100% reliant on what you give it and what you do for it. So yes. if it has not um, flowered well and fruited, I would suggest probably putting it into the next size pot into some potting That's mix nice. suitable for citrus. So a premium potting mix um, yes. I would add extra fertilizer because often in the the bags you only get a minimum so a bit bit more slow release fertilizer for flowering and fruiting plants slow release, yes. by adding or by putting it into a bigger pot you're also giving it a, a boost with fresh potting mix so you might then give it a, a seaweed wetting agent so that the initial yeah, root ball, that. yep, okay, yep, that's easy that to do. And then yep. mulch. And I think you'll find that as long as it's getting good amounts of sunlight, so at least six hours. Yes, it is. It okay. is. It's getting lots of sunlight where it is. And water. Yeah, and I do water, yes. So okay. uh, what mulch? Would you say lupin again? Because yeah, I've just yep. had those... You know those wood chips that you get, not the brown ones, but those red ones. I don't know if they're any good. Mm. I have them throughout my garden, what I've got. Yeah, um, just, they, you know, they look good, 
but but a soft mulch like a lupin mulch or the triple C actually yeah. gives it a bit more boost. Yeah. It stinks, well, but all of the garden. Yeah. 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 The garden will thank you for it. Thank you very much. You're <laughs> lovely, and it's really. Interesting to listen to your show every week. Oh, thank you, Janice. We we do our best. And the lovely Chris is cheeky, but he's good. Oh, <laughs> you caught me out there, Janice. Thank you so much for your call. Have a lovely weekend. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. bye 26 minutes to uh, 10. Uh, Gary from Gosnells has a question that was actually on my mind, so I'll put his question to you. Was it 20 grams or 200 grams of slow-release fertiliser when you're using the dibbler stick? It was 200 grams. And if you think about the little tubs of slow-release fertiliser, they're 500 grams. Uh-huh. So, folks, you're looking at buying a lot of fertiliser <laughs> if you're going to follow that regime. And have mm. multiple beautiful blooming uh, rose heads. But, it, yes, if, it's, if it, it gives off. it six months feeding, if you did nothing else, then when you coming to me with a rose problem, yeah. I will say, what have you done? Mm. Then I know you fed it. I know that you've done what you need to do and the only thing left is is the watering and the mulching to have and done your best. it's an annual investment? Well, you know, depending on how your roses go, you might top it up again mm. um, late autumn for that last mm. flush. Probably not the same amount though mm -hmm. because... They then go into their yep. dormancy. So, you know, the, the slow release is about six to nine months feeding. Starting now, at the beginning Starting of Starting when you've got about eight centimetres of growth on your roses. That That's the thing, Chris. Mm. You feed plants when they're growing. Mm. You don't feed plants when, when they're, they're dormant. dormant. Okay. Like in wintertime, hydrangeas have died down. They've mm -hmm. lost all their leaves mm -hmm. um, and they just stick. So... There's no benefit to throwing food at them then because they're basically asleep. Mm -hmm. So you want to feed and encourage the growth. For flowering plants, potassium is one of the ingredients that helps flowering and fruiting. If and you've got questions for Faye, get them in now, whether it's gardening at curtainfm.com.au or direct on the phone. We'll take your call on 94841927. I've got a question. You keep talking about a drip line. Describe what a drip right. line is to me. Chris, would you mind if I come back to that, please? Because oh, please. We, we've got lots of yep. emails Email here, okay. and I'd really like to um, answer the questions please. for the people that have contacted us. Going back to Karen's question about the Dutchman's pipe fertilize annually in spring and pruners needed to keep the plant in control. You can pinch back new young growth to promote thicker plants and it may also be necessary to keep its growth manageable. So that's basically what we said, but mm -hmm. that's what John has come back with. Now the buddikins um, <laughs> feed in spring and only during active growth. But give a light a light trim regularly. And, you know, this applies to everything. So everyone who's listening, not sure when to prune, prune after flowering, prune after fruiting. And if, if you give something a light prune, you will get more flowers. So when should I start pruning? When plants are young. So often we put them in, we want them to grow big, and so we just let them go. And then we get to the point where two or three years down the track, oh, it looks woody. Well, 
you know, it could have been pruned two years ago. Mm-hmm. With the with things like azaleas, trim now up until Christmas. So give them a little hedge trim. They'll put on some new growth. Give them another little hedge trim and then stop at Christmas time. And that is when they go into producing their flowers for next season. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So flowering plum. This is from Elizabeth. She says, good morning, long-time listener, first-time writer. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Enjoy your show and would like to ask about a flowering plum. She says, Nigra fastigiata. Um, oh, okay. It's, it is the Prunus cerecifera nigra, which I have. I have half a dozen of them. I love them. Uh, it lost its leaves late summer, early autumn and had some new growth in winter. I looked at it today. Some of the leaves have dried up and looks like a skeleton leaf, but I can see buds on the stem. Should I pull off the old leaves? Elizabeth, it sounds like a, like it's out of whack. My tree hung on to its leaves until about three weeks ago, really late. This is what uh, in my mind tells me we've had a mild winter. They've lost all of their leaves now and not much is happening. So if you've got dead leaves on there, just leave them. They will fall off naturally. And if it's budding up, well, that's that's what they'll do. And before you know it, they'll burst. I They're a tree that don't need very much work at all. In fact, I, I planted mine and let them go. The only trimming I do is the ones that are getting in our way when we're walking down the garden mm-hmm. path. But they're wonderful. And what I love about these deciduous trees, they drop all their leaves they help feed the soil underneath and they shade things in summer. So this is a, a great plant to have for for summer conditions. Mm-hmm. Once they're established, they're very easy to manage and they provide shade. So they'll cool our garden. But the seasons change. You know, they, they get the red leaves and then they get their flowers and, yeah. Super. I'm a big fan of them. <laughs> Sounds like it. Right, so Full bottle. we've got that. Uh, Deb has sent us in an email, uh, as promised, a follow-up. And she had sent in photos before of a bulb. It's now flowered, so it is a pink Velthemia. And they are a beautiful bulb. Once again, bulbs are wonderful. You know, you plant them, they come up year after year. Mm-hmm. If you did nothing, they probably would still flower. Mm-hmm. But if you feed them... You get masses They'll of reward you. bulbs and they, they multiply. So yeah. many of them, particularly the winter and spring ones, die down at other times of the year and yes, and then they just come back. Do they? Yes. So Regular, they, they, annually. Just we we don't need to water them in no. summer and I think that's a key Nature lesson going wonderful. forward. I need to stop talking, don't I? We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back, uh, answer a couple of questions and also take an opportunity to give away a $75 voucher to Bigger Trees. Got a question for you, so don't go away. And we're back with 17 minutes till 10 and at 10 o'clock Jim Crinan with the 70s show. And we've got lots of interesting things to discuss, but I want to set the question that is probably going to win you, if you're the the clever clogs this morning to be able to answer the question, that could win you a $75 voucher from Bigger Trees. And you'd love that, I know, particularly with spring about to uh, spring into a reality, if it hasn't already. Now, here is the question. Here is the question. In their song, The First of May, the Bee Gees reminded us that when we were small, what sort of trees were tall? 
Got that one? I'll give it to you again. If you want to win this bigotry $75 voucher, you need the answer to the question. In the song, The First of May by the Bee Gees, they reminded us that when we were small, what sort of trees were tall to us? 94841927, if you're the first in, you get the voucher. We, in the meantime, will continue. Faye. Chris, Leslie of Ballsbrook wanted to know where can you buy a dibbler? Well, John tells me apparently it is a dibber, not a dibbler. Okay. But Urban Revolution in Vic Park have them. I thought it would just be a piece of dowel, but you tell no, me it's no, a ice no, cream it's cone. No, no, it's a cone shape, as in ice cream uh-huh. cone. So it's wider at the top mm-hmm. and it has a bit of length to it so you can actually get get right down. And actually it was Beth's husband that made mine. Mm-hmm. Men's sheds may yep. do them yep. to order. Um, Reminds me of being a Boy Scout. Dib, 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 dob, dob, dob. But it's a dibber, not a dibbler. Uh, A good girl scout is always prepared. I remember that. You do. Now, Marge has sent us in a photo of a beautiful rose flake hibiscus. And it has lots of holes in the leaves. So something's been eating it. Could be snails, could be caterpillars. Who knows? There certainly are a lot of caterpillars around at the moment. It looks to me like the damage is done. So, you know, the the pest, whatever it was, could have moved on. can also be the grasshoppers because they can eat through a lot. So I would do an inspection. A lot of caterpillars around at the moment. Uh, we did receive another one of a photo of a caterpillar mm-hmm. and that was also from Deb. If caterpillars are a problem, the kindest thing, I believe, is... Caterpillar Killer or Dipel. It comes as a powder. You mix it up and spray it on the leaves. You need to reapply after watering and reticulation. And it is really only good for little caterpillars. They ingest it when they're eating the leaf and it gives them a tummy ache and they get diarrhea and die over a few days. Now, there are many caterpillars around that are specialists. So if you've got grevilleas and hakeas, There is one that looks like a piece of the trunk or one of the stems. It's brown and it will eventually turn into a pink-bellied moth. And this pink-bellied moth, when it's at rest, looks like a gum leaf. Really? Amazing. So try and give a little thought and consideration to caterpillars because Mm -hmm. they're a beneficial part of the food chain. Many birds are nesting. If you want birds in your garden, please consider that caterpillars are what many of them feed to their young. So let's not kill everything. Mm-hmm. Many moths are pollinators for our flowering and fruiting plants. Great. So There are friends. They can be. Yes. <clears throat> All of them, but some of them maybe not. Nope. Okay, well, we're still looking for a winner for our quiz, you know, for Bigger Trees. Lots of calls coming in, but uh, we haven't got the right one yet. The song was the first of May by the Bee Gees. It reminded us that when we were small, we want to know what sort of trees were tall. Uh-huh. It's and been I, one. Oh, it has been one. Well done, somebody out there. We're going to get that information to you very shortly. But nevertheless, we'll come back with the answer too. Do you want to cover that or do you want to carry on where you uh, are? I'll just quickly... Okay. Carry on. Deb also said that she has purchased three 220-litre water-friendly drums and set them up about the garden, and the rains have collected the water, and she uses these for hand-watering. So that's 600 litres of water. 
Fantastic, Deb. This is what we need to hear more about, water-saving techniques to get us through summer. Mm -hmm. uh, Helen from Three Springs, yeah. thank you for calling in. She says that wreath flowers also are growing along the Three Springs Morrowa Road. Beautiful and lots of green and black kangaroo paws yes, around Eni Abba. I'm, I'm wow. loving getting all these reports yeah. and so jealous that... All I'm seeing is my road verge full of mulch and not the beautiful wildflowers. Well, Next you put the, you the put year. the mulch there. But I you did. could always go out to there and grab some of those. Well, I'm I'm going to replant later. Don't you worry about no, that. I won't. I won't worry. Should we talk about our winner? Go on quickly while I have an opportunity. Obviously, Louise of Allenbrook is a member of the Curtin family because you had to be a, a member of the family to win this prize this morning. When you do do quizzes on the station, that's what we require of you. Well done, Louise. The answer to the question in the Bee Gees song, the first of May, what sort of trees, um, when we were small, what sort of trees made us feel tall? Christmas trees. Did you know that, Faye? Well, yes. I yeah. won't sing it for you, No, but we'll take it as read. Well done, Louise of Ellenbrook. We've got your details. We'll be sending you the $75 Bigger Trees voucher in the mail on Monday. My children have cursed my Christmas tree for about the last 10 years. It's the one my mother set up for us mm. in our lounge room when my husband and I went away on our honeymoon. And, and I won't part with it. Yep. It's 38 years old and... It's not getting any taller, but I put it on something taller. I put yes. it on a coffee table or a box. Yes. And um, it's, it's part of your it's a story. It's plastic isn't it? Christmas tree. So, <laughs> actually, last year I think we cut down a branch of the woolly bush. Uh huh. And because they've taken over as the Australian Christmas yeah, we, trees. We, we, we try and do they? that too, mm. yes. Let's take a quick break. It's uh, 10 minutes to 10. Curtain Radio. We've been talking dibblers and dibbers, and we came up with the fact that it is a dibber that is shaped like an ice cream cone that penetrates into the soil around the rose trees. A dibbler we were talking about. Do you know at dibblers, there's a breeding program at Perth Zoo for dibblers? Because it's a, I, uh, mm. a threatened marsupial. Yes, and that's why I thought it might be called a dibbler because it could dibble, dibble, dibble. Yeah. And John has come in with a photo of... Of a lemon juicer, a handheld lemon juicer yeah. that has a similar shape, not as long, so it wouldn't get you as far below the surface. But oh, nevertheless, gotcha. yep. if you've got one of these hand, right sort of shape. handheld pointy objects, mm -hmm. it might do the trick. <laughs> um, Jeannie, she sent in a photo of a party hat and wondered if this might work for the rose fertiliser. Well, Jeannie, I reckon if your husband's a woodworker, this could be his job for the weekend, mm -hmm. and he might have a lot of jobs after this weekend's show because she tells him what to do mm -hmm. because Faye said on the radio, so this poor bloke does not get much rest at all. He loves you. <laughs> we are, yeah. Faye said, so do as, she, as Faye says. So what's on? Well, last weekend we had a fantastic morning tea with Matthew Evans put mm -hmm. on by the Open Gardens WA group and they'd also had a lovely dinner the night before for members of the open garden and all the public they have a garden open uh, middle of next month so about two or three weeks away Mills Park in Beldivis so I'll be letting you know all about that we've received an email from Lynn and she wants to tell us all about Wattle Day Heritage and Arts Fair so it's coming up on the 3rd of September on a Saturday and it is held in Windsor Park 111 
Mill Point Road, South Perth. So that is next weekend. Spring next week, Yeah, Chris. absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so rapidly advancing. Look at this. A Dorian in Waikiki has advised that a plastic holder from a cotton, cotton overlocker can be used as a dibber. Oh, wow. So many different mm. things. Oh, fantastic. We've also received an email from Robert to let us know that the Fent Festival of Country Gardens spring four-day event is coming up. And, oh, there's lots of information here. Um, I think this is not until November. Um, uh, yes. So 18 different gardens open from Thursday the 3rd of November to Sunday the 6th. This year we're doing a private tour, Art in the Garden, Wednesday the 2nd of November. I think we'll leave this for now, mm -hmm. but folks, know that it's on. If you're interested, you might la like to start organising your accommodation and we'll give more details about this at another time. It is a fabulous event uh, on around Bridgetown. Mm -hmm. The gardens are amazing, amazing. If you've never been, it's one to put all on your All gardens are amazing, aren't they? Well, they're all different, aren't mm, they? That's the point. Five minutes to ten. Chris, this week. Yes. Um, you know, I said that Ray Ray called me Auntie Faye because I mm -hmm. told her she should stay home. Mm -hmm. I've also been told, oh, you're such a nana, particularly my driving, <laughs> um, or you're such a teacher. And one of the life lessons that was brought to mind this week as I was out mulching the verge and surveying some of the work that had been done in the area. Just a little reminder you might not always like the job that you're doing, but always do your best. Always do it with a smile on your face. You never know who's watching, do you? You know, no. do you, you might have your eyes set on a goal, you want a certain career in life, mm -hmm. but if your attitude and the way you do things doesn't measure up, you, it might be your, your future employer that yep. watches what you're doing. Yep. If if attitude. you do your best, yeah. oh, very much about attitude. And I know when I was working, I worked in Bunnings in the Green Life section. Oh, I just loved it. Loved talking to the people, seeing all the new plants. And someone said, oh, I did work experience and I didn't learn anything. You know, when I, I worked there, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, maybe it wasn't what that person was after, but I learned that the plants came in on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So you, if you wanted you know, seedlings and they're in short supply, well, you'd go on a Thursday or a Friday because they'd have fresh stock. And you you start to learn when the clearance plants goes out so you know when to get a good deal. And I, I just remember all the different varieties of plants that I can't keep up with today and all the products on the yeah. shelf. Even when you think you're not learning something, mm -hmm. you're learning something. Absolutely. And the other thing being in retail, particularly where you were working, is people come in looking very glum and very perplexed. And the thing is to, to see that melt away when you give them an answer to their question or show them what they can do, and they start to smile. I, it reminds me of someone who'd bought a whole lot of seedlings and they were heading out the gate after their purchase. And I, I told them about my recipe for planting seedlings. You dig a hole and you put the slow-release fertiliser in the bottom and then you, you top it up and you mulch and you sprinkle round. I used to sprinkle round the blue basal pellets because mm -hmm. they got rid of the snails. Now we have bandicoots and we really don't have snails. But they came 
back in and they purchased more products. And I'm sure that they would have got far better results when they did that. So, yeah, I I was able, you know, they spent more money, so mm. Bunnings mm. should have been happy with me about that. I'm sure they But it, it was more, you know, sharing knowledge yes. and, and getting better results. Yes, and, and feeling the gratitude, and that, that mm. is the reward for what you do. Two questions. Drip line? Yes. The drip line is where the plant's roots come out to. So when you look at any tree that that's grown... Where the new growth is on the ends, mm -hmm. go straight down, like vertical drop, that is where the feeder roots are. So when you're feeding, don't put your fertiliser in at the trunk mm -hmm. and don't mulch right up around mm -hmm. like a, what do you call that, a polar neck sweater. Yep. Leave a little basin around. Yep. And it's funny how trees can adapt. Some of the weepy trees, actually, when they blow in the wind, create their own well and it's for water catchment. Fantastic. Channels water. I've got a couple of large palm trees out on the nature reserve on the front of the property. Is there, are there any type of flowers or things that I can plant around them? That... Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> oh, well, I just go into the whole tropical garden zone, okay. Chris. Okay. Like you, when you've got palm trees, you've got a canopy, you've got a trunk. You can put ripsalis on the trunk. You can grow monsteras and aroids. You can grow cordylines and you can add vincas and colas. And so it comes back to water or, you know, is it sand? What sort of look do you want? Uh, I'm glad you, I asked. You, you go to a barley <laughs> garden and you've got little borders of gold. Yeah. You've got mondo grass, mass plant. Never buy a punnet, buy a tray. Yeah. <laughs> go big, go quality. Mm. Well, or go home. <laughs> I think I'll do that right now. We're at the end of the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Chris. It's been a joy. Well, Ray will be back next week, and you will be too, when we talk a garden again next Saturday morning here on Curtain FM between 8 and 10. The program, today's show, sponsored by Maxi's Fashion, ladies' clothing. Select from colourful ranges of stylish, affordable Australian labels in all sizes. And that is about it. More, as I said, gardening next week. Jim Crinan is hot to go with the 70s show right after I say go, you might say. But we're getting close to it. I just wanted to remind you of the Sunday soiree tomorrow night between nine and midnight if you're going to bed after a pleasant weekend and you want some rather pleasant music rather than watching the television then join us for the sunday soiree between nine and midnight tomorrow night in the meantime enjoy the showery day as it comes and goes enjoy the good weather and we will meet again soon most of all stay safe we hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of let's talk gardening on curtain radio happy gardening